We live? All right, good morning, good morning. I am happy to be with you. Um, first off, I'm going to introduce myself really briefly and try to get myself out of the way so that the Lord would speak. Um, my name is Kendall McKee. I am uh, a, a friend of Andy's that is, uh, lives in Lexington. I work at a church there called New City Church. We're a church plant um, that is just focused. It, originally, it was focused on young families and, and post-Christians um, and what people hurt by the church basically coming back for the first time and basically giving them a new experience, something new. That's a lot of my story, a lot of my testimony. So Katie and I were a part of a plant team there um, five, six years ago almost, five years ago. So um, we've been doing that for a while, and that's how I met Andy. That's how I part, got a part of the CMA. Anyway, that's a very brief bio. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting. Uh, this is my wife, Katie, as well. She works for the district office. So if you have any complicated CMA questions, ask her, not me. Uh, and, and, and she'll be able to at least get you in the right direction. Uh, but thank you. Um, I'm happy to be here today. Uh, first off, man, those I haven't heard those songs in a good minute. And two of those three songs were songs that were super, super formational for me when I grew up in faith. I think the first time, um, very, very brief story, basically I went to church camp one time um, and I, did, I, I grew up like in the church, but like a very rebel in the church. Like I just was trying to be different and, and I'll explain that in a minute, but when I went to church camp, they were going to Orange Beach, Alabama, and I just wanted to go because we were going to the beach. And so I remember driving on a bus, um, and I was happy where I was, and we were, I grew up in Texas, so we took a, t a bus from Texas to Orange Beach, Alabama, and I remember on the bus saying, God, out there, I want to be the same person I am leaving this church camp that I was when, I, like, on the bus going. Which is funny to me because I knew that the Lord wanted to do something in my heart, and I was already resisting. <laughs> and as a as like a seventeen year old, just thinking I knew it all, of course, first night of camp, get wrecked by the Spirit. Not even the last night, first night. Like people are, it's just like the welcome service, and I'm in the front, like, oh Lord, I got. But Cornerstone was the song that really just wrecked my heart, and I got called into ministry there and kind of just started the trajectory of my life towards living out in faith and being a part of uh, a church community. And, uh, and so anyway, uh, thank you for that. Um, that was really, really awesome. So that was all not intended to be talked about today, but thanks. So uh, I want to introduce myself. I am a tatted pastor that is highly competitive and loves being unique, has a weird history in the church, and found the Lord through rebellion. Oh, wait, that's Andy's testimony. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Andy and I are honestly very similar. We are great friends. Uh, when he texted, we have like a little group of, of CMA pastors in the region, um, and we are all like very great friends, and he texted us and said, hey, I'll be out of town. Can anybody step up and, and be there on Sunday to, to help lead our church? And I said, I'm in. I wanted to be uh, there for Andy for a while um, and just haven't been able to make it happen. We've been trying to get me uh, out here to see the church, all this kind of stuff, so it just worked. So I'm here. So, um, 
Seriously, though, um, that is my testimony as well that I just kind of unraveled anyway, um, except for the, where Andy and I differ the most is I can't grow a beard. So there you go. Um, no, but let's, let's pray and we'll just dive into to the scriptures together. Father, thank you for being our cornerstone, God. Thank you for grounding us in areas that just bring stability. Father, as we talk about how we approach your throne today, God, would you be our stability? Father, some of us came in here tonight or are watching where we wanted to be the same after this service as we were when it started, and you have a different plan, God. Lord, would you allow the message that you put on my heart to be just a, a flaming arrow to somebody, to do exactly what they wanted, Lord, that it would be um, just very kind in the way that it's convicting, and Lord, would you just move? Lord, would you just move? Lord, you know the struggles that are on mine and Katie's heart. Lord, you know the, the, the things we all carry up to the throne today. Lord, would you just be very giving and gracious and patient and kind. And Lord, would we just be able to sit in front of you and say, Abba, Father, give us what you have for us today. Amen. So, I will start off... Um, by saying that the, the title of my message, or however you guys want to perceive that, is how we are coming to God and how we are in expectation of Him, and how our attitude sometimes can be different from all over the board of how we approach the throne. And I think sometimes our, our Western, mid-America, you know, 20th century, we just get stuck in this bubble of exactly what we've always perceived, and we always count ourselves and compare ourselves to that image, and that's not always what the Lord has for us. And rarely ever does that happen to be what the Lord has for us. And so, that often is, is me. I'm often coming to the throne being like, God, I'm just so different than everyone else. Like, why do you have to make me different? Why do I have to stand out? And I used to love it. Then I went through a period of hating it. And now I'm trying to come back to a place where I can worship God with it. So the uniqueness of how this happens, and I'm reading, we're going to be reading from Luke 18 today, and we're going to be reading from um, a, a section of Luke, but then I'm going to throw a small curveball, and, and then we're going to go basically into the whole chapter of Luke 18. But don't worry, we're not, <laughs> that's a series worth of things, and you know, so we're just going to cover a small portion of it today, but I did want to read through it at some, at some level. But the Lord has been teaching me hard lessons recently. Katie and I, just without to get into it, have had a hard season. We've had a hard season of life. Obviously, our I'm sure y'all's church, being in a chapel, I know Andy has given me a little bit of context how it used to be over here. We've got COVID, you're coming back, we now have the virtual, there's also people live. That's just a rough season. So I'm sure, without knowing any of you guys personally, I'm sure we are all going through it. 
And I'm sure at some level, we're opening our hands and being like, God, I need help. And that's where I see myself recently. I've been in a weary season of hard lessons. But I've been thinking a lot about how I approach the throne. So without getting too, too technical, I want to start off by saying there's a thing that I learned of in seminary called the Wesley Quadrilateral. Now, already I've lost people. So bear with me. It's, it, that's what it's called, but I'm going to just explain it because if I just would have left it at that, I would have been lost in the crowd. So I'm going to try to break it down. Basically, it's four things that balance themselves off into how you are relating with scripture, church, how the Lord is talking with us. It's reason, experience, tradition, and scripture. Now, a lot of times people see them as an equal four. I'm going to throw it in our CMA doctrine. That's kind of Wesley's thing. Uh, John Wesley, he is a father of church, churches and church denominations. I'm going to bend it a little bit saying one corner is higher than the rest. We're going to have scripture over tradition, experience, and reason. But those four things, tradition, experience, reason, and scripture, are how we will experience the Lord and experience God. There are aspects of all that tied in together. So how I have been learning recently from the Lord is reason. I've had experience with church. I've read scripture. I've had, uh, wait, okay, I forgot the four of them now. Reason, experience, uh, Scripture, and what's the fourth one? Tradition. So I've had church tradition as well. Um, as I don't usually fall greatly into that one. As we talked about me being like the ta pastor unique and just trying to be bold. <laughs> Typically church tradition is I fit in there like a kidney stone. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so reason is how the Lord has been really, really teaching me lately. Which also could be like thought of as in like contemplation or like thinking or really having like a time where you sit down and understand how the Lord is moving. So as I've been thinking about reason, that's how the Lord has been teaching me in my experience. So before we dive into Luke 18, I want to ask a question of you and I want you to evaluate it from your personal perspective. How does the Lord teach you individually? Does he teach you through scriptures? Does he teach you through individual study? Does he teach you through, you know, a mentor group? Does he teach you through a discipleship huddle? Does he teach you through um, great resources on the internet? Does he teach you through vlogs or blogs? Does he teach you through primarily, does what Brandy, or not Brandy, that's my aunt, Andy, what Aunt Andy brings to the table, uh, does he teach you primarily through that? Or does it all something completely different than that? Evaluate your personal experience for a second, and I just want to ask you, how does the Lord teach you? Because we see in Scripture that the Lord teaches people differently. I always like to say, that the Lord never healed a blind man the same. He never did a, a miracle the same way twice. And so even in our own personal experience, he's going to teach us all completely different, and it's going to be miraculous. 
Don't you think it's a, like, it, it is a small miracle that the Lord reaches down 8 billion people on this earth and individually cares about you and teaches you in a way that you receive it. That's miraculous. To find ourselves as worthy of that is like something that we should, that alone should be something that we, that we worship the Lord for. That he reaches down and cares about the, the one sheep in the ninety-nine. And you are that one sheep at times. Sometimes we're in the 99 and we wonder why the Lord is chasing the one. But when you are the one and the Lord is chasing you, oof, that's special. And you are very, very in a different posture of it when the Lord is chasing you as the one than you are in the 99. That is not, that's free, ladies and gentlemen. You can take that to, with you. That is not what I was going to preach about. Does the Lord walk you really slowly through seasons like the Israelites? Does he give you a limp like he did with Jacob that you walk with as a memorial of what God has done in your life and brought you through? Does he let you walk through the, the, the lowest of lows and you're the brink of the edge like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and then right at the end just does something amazing? Or is it unlike all of those characters, and does he just get to you right at the first time immediately, and please, if that is you, tell me your secret, because I am tired of waiting, and that's typically where I struggle the most, is waiting on the Lord. So back to those hard lessons. The Lord's been teaching me through reason lately. Most of the time, I am in my own world in a completely spacey element, and if we are sitting there together longer than a couple of minutes and I haven't said anything, I am definitely thinking about something else. My wife can attest to that. If we're like having a conversation and I'm not engaging something back to her, I, she's probably like, I'm not in a bad, like, I don't even mean to do this, but I'm off somewhere else. I'm thinking about finances or how we can invest or you know a property down the street that I would love to be able to have and renovate and have like a family live there anyway that's where all my thoughts are going so back to those hard lessons have you ever wondered what biblical character you are most like and I think this goes back to what I was talking about about how this is, it's a personal thing with the Lord. And when I asked you earlier, how does the Lord teach you? We can see ourselves most of the time somewhere in Scripture. There are a ton of different examples of how the Lord is teaching us through examples that we have in faith that are like just dynamite people in the faith. Are you somebody who is just an absolute skilled, like, awesome wonder child like Nicodemus and you're you know the Pharisees often get a bad rap but like they were just really good at being church people are you there or are you completely on the other side of Benaiah who is in scripture specifically because of how he was one of David's mighty men and he literally like he's in scripture for chasing a lion on a snowy day into a den and killing it whoa come on now that's what, that, that inspires me. On the book of all creation, he is, has like sentences in there of him being in creation for something completely different than being great at church. 
So where are you at with that? How is the Lord teaching you? What biblical character are you most like? And if you don't know the answer to that, maybe you take the rest of the year and really, really dig in deep there. Because now, I will take a preface here saying we want to be most like Jesus. The lens needs to be focused on the truth. But there's a lot of that in the individual characters in Scripture. So if you would have asked me for a long time, which biblical character am I most like or I wanted to be like, I would have said, Samson. And for those of you that are really good Bible scholars, you immediately know that that is somebody that has not read Scripture at all because Samson is a piece of work. Because as a young boy, when I said Samson, all I knew was he was strong. He liked swinging things. He was reckless. And he was good with the ladies. And I was like, I want to be Samson. But then when I grew up and read the story, I was like, oh, Samson actually was a negative example. <laughs> I don't want to be a negative example anymore. So I found myself really, really in a posture very much like Peter. Very like zealous, ready to go make decisions, and then making the bad ones sometimes. But really with a heart to like really do it right. But just always coming up a little bit like, okay, keep on, Pete. That's me. Also, um, Peter was married in the Bible, and he had a mother-in-law, so I'm thankful for that as well. Thank you, Katie. I like being like Peter. So, But let's go to Luke 18 while we're here. I know it took me a long time to get to the scripture this morning, and I don't love to do that. But here we are. We're going to start at Luke 18, 9 through 14, and that was where the really... Um, the really in-depth part of where my message started. So we'll start there. It's, it's the Pharisee and the tax collector, and we see how Jesus is interacting with them here. Um, so he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other, excuse me, and, and, one, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector here. I, fasted, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me as a sinner. And I tell you this, Man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Church people, which one do you sit in? See, for a long time, I've told you my backstory. For a long time, I was positioning myself, making sure my Western mentality, making sure all this, making sure I was able to sit in a pew and be a Pharisee, and that's not what this text is even saying. Our, our idea of church, our playing church, we're like being this something, is all like building itself to try to become uh, like this polished piece that like you post uh, the picture on Instagram with your Bible open and some scriptures saying like, and like saying like, oh, the Lord fed me this morning. 
<laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not, I think that's, if we unpack that a little bit, what's behind the heart of that? Are you a tax collector or are you, are you the humble or are you a humble tax collector, or are you the Pharisee in this situation? And so as I begin to read that, I've watched... Okay, this is a little crowd participation here. How many of you guys have watched any of The Chosen? Okay, a couple, all right. Any of you guys? No? Okay, that's okay. I would have not watched it unless Katie made me, so uh, that's just not my style. But I have been absolutely wrecked by it. Every single week, I cry. I told Katie last week, I said, I'm done watching this show. Because every day, I wake, or like, we watch this show, and then I cry, and then I have to face the rest of our small group, and just like, with tears in my eyes, be like, you know, just like, yeah. uh, I'm going through some stuff. <laughs> and as like a man who's like, trying to like, show that he's, all, you know, I'm almost in my 30s, and so I'm like, gotta have it figured out, you know, like, and so then the show, The Chosen, just freaking wrecks me, and then I'm just like a ball full of mud on the ground. But the reason why I bring this up is Luke 18, when I was reading this passage, to bring it forward of like saying basically, hey, which posture are you coming to Jesus with? Are you coming to it as a tax collector humbly and just saying, like, Lord, I don't have it all right, but I want you to wreck my life? Or are you saying, like, Lord, I've got it all together, and I am just here to, I've crossed every T and dotted every I, and I'm here, and, like, that guy smells a little bit, but I'm just trying to just, okay. All right, I'm focused. You know, like, are you that person or are you the other? And when I thought about that, I thought about images of the first season of The Chosen. Because there is a tax collector, Matthew, who happens to be actually like probably an autistic guy in the show, which is a really cool way of depicting Matthew. He's great with numbers. It's actually very fascinating. Um, and, and, then, oh, and there's a Pharisee, Nicodemus, who's also in the show as well. And you see how they're just like very clashing. And when I read this, I'm like, okay, I've read this a million times. I've read Luke, you know, 18. I've read Luke uh, it all. And I just like, when I saw that, I read this and I saw it completely differently through a lens that was just differently expressed. And I see the Nicodemus character walking around like in a prim and proper. And then I see like the very like, you know, unsettled and unsure like tax collector Matthew walking around knowing that all his like all of his Jewish other people are just really dogging on him and his parents hate him. And, you know, he's coming to the Lord and he's like, oh, man, people hate me here. But Lord, I just want to be with you. So that in itself was wrecking me. I've talked a lot about how I began, but in my beginning I ran from the Lord because it was an environment where I felt inauthentic. It was a fire and it, it was an environment that I felt was just like very like not right. And not until I faced the world did I realize that I was not meant for that and I was meant for much more. Matthew had to have studied and probably trained and done all this stuff his entire life to get to a point where he could be a tax collector. It wasn't like he just woke up and was just like, I think I'll be a tax collector today. 
He would have had to prepare his entire life probably for that. But then he throws that aside and says, the world is not for me, Lord. I want, from what is, I want to drink from what is true. And that was kind of in my experience. I was preparing for business and for the world and for like trying to be a, a coach. And, and, and I did that and like I went out there and did that. And I, it's even like something that we're finding now in my own experience again. is just like I keep trying to do this thing and then the Lord just calling me back home and saying like, no, like you're with me. And so basically... We're going to read on in Luke because I think, because my situation was this Luke four, uh, or 18, like uh, 9 through 14, but then there were so many other things as I began to broaden the chapter here. So we're going to very quickly read through Luke 18 in its entirety and see how it doesn't come together. So Luke 18, 1, and I'll just read the whole thing straight through and then we'll talk about it very briefly. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there is a judge that, who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversaries. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I gave her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what this unrighteous judge says. And will not God give the same justice to his elect who cry out day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on earth. That is kind of one subsect about a, uh, the persistent widow. The next uh, section is about the Pharisee and the tax collector that we've already read. The next section is about how the children will come. Now they were, so this is verse 15. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples say they re, when saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called to them saying, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for such belongs to the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Rich young ruler is next. And the ruler asked him, great teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandment, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said to them, all these I have kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard, them, or heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack though. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you have, will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult is it for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle and for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. For those who heard it, it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And then Peter says, see, we have left our homes and followed you, Jesus. 
And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left home or a wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more over than this in the age to come of eternal life. The next session says, Jesus foretells his death a third time. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going to up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. Third time, mind you. And they understood none of these things, saying he was, that it was hidden from them. They did not grasp what he said. Final section here. Jesus heals a blind beggar. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped, commanded him to be brought to him. And then when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight, followed him, glorified God, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. So a little trick that I learned in studying was when you examine one passage, as you examine out, the passage gains a lot more context most of the time. So when we zoom out from the Pharisee and the tax collector, we zoom out, we see all these things kind of in line in the chapter of Luke 18. And I would wager to say that these are all put together for a reason to say that all these things are being approached by two... Okay, hold on. All of these passages are talking about how we approach the throne of God. Do you seek the Lord out of persistence like the widow? Do you see yourself there? Do you seek the Lord humbly like a tax collector where you're like, God, I do not have it right, but I just want you to be the Lord of my life? Or are you in expectation? Are you feeling like you deserve it like the Pharisee? Are you coming as a child that is really coming to the throne of God saying, just with absolute joy, jest, just complete reckless abandon sometimes? Are you seeking the Lord holy? What is holding you back from the gains of this world like the rich young ruler? And then the, the most curious one is that one where it's just tossed kind of in here a little bit different than the rest, where it's talking about how uh, the Lord reminds them a third time. And as I read this and I was reading this, I was like, okay, all these things fit together. And even the last section is talking about how we're coming with needs to the Lord and are we giving them up. But then this section right in the, in the, in the uh, probably the 80% or 75 to 80% down in this passage, it's like there's this passage where it talks about Jesus is the, reminding them the third time that he will die and the disciples just don't get it. 
And so then I was like, oh, it clicked for a second. And it was like, oh, yeah, I come to the Lord sometimes not, not listening also. So it even, too, is fitting in there to say, basically, are you coming as a listener? Are you coming missing things that I've already told you a third time, but I'm gracious enough to tell you again? So when you examine these Luke 18 passages, which one do you feel most resembles you? I want to come humbly like a tax collector, but really like a child. And I think that's a really simple answer. And that's an answer that is often talked about in church. And so I, the unique part of me wants to like say something different. I want to like pull out some small detail that you've never heard of before and like just be like, whoa, that was crazy. But really like that's where I want to be in this hard season of life where Katie and I are really just trying to figure something out. You know, I want to just be able to be the humble tax collector who beats my chest, but also the child who comes to the Lord with complete joy, just saying, Dad, I'm excited about being here. I'm excited that you're going to use me. Lord, I am just thrilled and pumped that you are here. And then I go back to the chosen and we watch a episode about how he just engages with children and I'm just wrecked. Let me like walk you through it just very briefly. Basically, the Lord is, is traveling. He hasn't started his, his ministry yet. And, and he's, he's in the like, outskirts of town, kind of like in the woods. Well, they didn't have trees in that part of the like big trees and forests. And it, Okay, just <laughs> without getting too like contextual and in the weeds, basically the Lord is on the outskirts of town. And I, if you've seen Nacho Libre, it's probably a little bit further out of town than when they're like, hi, Nacho. So this little girl and her friend are playing, in, or this little girl at the beginning is playing, and she finds Jesus' camp, and she, Jesus is not there. She goes up, and she starts playing with, his, with his, um, his, his tradesman tools, his carpentry tools, his masonry tools. He's, she's, like, playing with it, and she's seeing everything, and she, like, has like, I think it's like a date or a grape or something, and she like picks it up and she wants to eat it, but then she's like, you see the conviction, and she's like, this isn't mine, and so she's like, okay, I'll put it back, and I'm not going to eat it, uh, and then she's like playing in his stuff, and you have this like, there's this feel, and I think it's probably with the music that you're like, he's coming back and you're going to get caught like going through his stuff. But, like, that doesn't really happen, and so she, like, he does, like, kind of, you can hear him, like, walking through the brush, and then she's just like, oh, and just totally leaves and goes back to her home, and she, um, her parents are like, what'd you do today? And she's like, nothing. 
And then the next day, she wakes up, grabs her best friend, and him and her, like, go back to Jesus' this thing. And she's like, there's this guy here, and he has, like, some cool tools, and there's sharp knives, and there was, like, some dates, and, you know, like, it's awesome. And they go back, and, like, Jesus is there that time, and then they just, like, stand and watch, and they're just like, oh, my goodness. That person is really here. And so I just, like, that was me when I was a kid. I was always, like, trying to find cool stuff. But then, like, Jesus, like, is like, oh, I wonder, you know, he's, like, doing stuff over here. He's like, I wonder what kids are watching me. And, like, you know, I, I wish they would just come say hello. And then, like, they draws the kids out. And then, like, he teaches them. And it's, like, so kind. And, you know, like, and then they go back and they bring more kids. And, like, and then at the end of the episode, Jesus is teaching Okay, I'm kind of spoiler alert here, sorry. But at the end of the episode, Jesus has like eight kids and they're coming every day and he's teaching them how to do like all these trade tools and he's like helping, the, the kids are helping him like make things that he can give or sell or help pay for his travels and there's one little girl who's like trying to twist this rope and it's literally just a mess, just a complete mess. And, like, Jesus in the show, like, looks over, and, she, and he's like, I'll just say, like, her, that would have been me. So I'll just say that that would have been Kendall. She, he would have been like, Kendall, like, looks like your rope's really coming along there. And she's like, yeah. And it's just like this mess, you know. And he's just kind enough to say, like, it's not about the rope. It's about spending time with me. And so that... Tears, just wrecked, you know, like just wrecked because that is discipleship. The kids come, they're like, so with Jesus, he's so kind and loving. They literally go back to their homes. So like, you know, they go back to their city and then they come back and they're like, you just got to, you just got to see this guy. He's teaching us this cool stuff. Like, that's what I want our lives to be like. Going back, if we approach the throne, if I want that for myself, if I want to be a humble tax collector, but also with a childlike faith, I want to do that. I want to come to, the, come to Jesus where I have this rope that is just messed up and awful and just whatever, and he's teaching me how to do this thing, but it's not about that. And then I'm just learning from Jesus, and then I go home, and I go to my friends, and I say, I made this horrible rope, but that's not what it was about, and I, I want you to just come with me and experience it. And then two days later, I have Pat sitting next to me making a horrible rope, but just not even paying attention and just listening to Jesus. Isn't that what it's about, church? So if the chosen has taught me anything, and I did not, I didn't want to be here. I wanted so bad for it to just suck, because like I don't do like Christian films. Like I've just had a history of that, but it's so good, and the Lord has been teaching me through that. And then when I read scripture, I like think of those themes, and it just really livens up the spirit in me. So if you're out there and you're skeptical, just go watch it, just for me, maybe. But if you're watching the if watching the chosen for me has shown me anything in the humanness of it uh, anything it's shown me the humanness of the Lord and how I sit there in all of those characters and I can be in that. Our God deserves to be praised and worshipped, and it's our job to welcome that in for other people. And as we realize what we come to from the Lord, 
Really, it's all about just sitting there making a horrible rope like a child, sitting there with Jesus, going home, getting our friends, and having them do the same. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to pray. I assume the band is going to come back up. But just evaluate your posture, your posture to the throne this week. Maybe read Luke 18 a couple of times and figure out, you know, which one am I? Where do I fit in? Do, you know, and, and be honest with yourself. And maybe it's none of them, and that's okay. Keep reading the Bible. You'll find yourself in there somewhere. But make sure you're pointing it back to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the invitation to a relationship with you. Lord, thank you for what it means to be your friend, your child, a follower of you. Thank you for that. Lord, thank you for, for opening my eyes and others here and others on film. Lord, thank you for opening that up to us, Lord, that you sought us out as the 99 were somewhere else, Lord, and we were the one just wandering. Thank you for that. Lord, would you help us be a content and consistent and encouraging 99 as you're finding more sheep? Lord, continue to teach us Lord, would you be our cornerstone? Would you be our foundation? Would you be which with we draw from? Amen. came to my rescue and I
I'll hit the high notes on dinner. We typically run this time of service as we move into a different part of worship with tithes and offerings. Easiest way to do that is online. Go to the website, lpc502.com. I know Andy's been talking about getting everybody plugged in on the Church Center app, so if you had any issues getting, getting that set up, feel free to see somebody on the team. We'll help you out. I think we can even go old school. There should be a basket in the way out, uh, out there in the lobby. So, if we have any specific announcements today, uh, let's give it up for Kendall and Katie for being here this this morning. We appreciate you guys. Uh, Andy doesn't get a whole lot of time off, so uh, he, he and his family have had a few days down in Gatlinburg, and I think he's headed back up today. But yeah, it's good to hear God's word from a different perspective. We love Andy. We look forward to having him back next week. If anybody needs anything this week, he told me you should extend any of our ways online, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and anything on the website. So we're going to stand up. We're going to sing on our way out this morning. We're going to go back to that intro song, Sing, Sing, Sing. All right. Thank you all so much for being here with us once again for LifePoint Online. If this is your first time here with us, thank you all so much for being here and hanging out with us and checking out LifePoint Church. If you'd like more information or if you have any questions, you can either drop a comment below or you can visit us on our website or any of our social media platforms. And if you have questions, just go ahead and ask and someone from our team will get back with you as soon as we possibly can. Also, if you want to continue to worship uh, with your tithes and your offerings, or if you just simply want to give to LifePoint Church, you can head over to our website. It's lpc502.com. In the top right-hand corner is an online giving button. If you click it, it takes you to a safe and secure place where you can give. You can also begin to text to give by texting the amount that you want to give to the number 84321. But however you choose to give, we're just so thankful and humbled by the fact that you're on mission and that you're giving back just a portion of what it is that God has blessed you with. Again, thank you all so much for being here with us today. We hope that you'll join us in connecting and doing life online throughout the week. And until next Sunday, we'll see you later. Have a great one.